Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Yo, yo. Well, good morning, Epiphany Church. It is so good to be gathered with God's people. Uh, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Uh, Let me give a quick special welcome and thank you for for hanging out with us to those of you who are logged on for the first time. If you're here hanging with us for the first time and if you're in the chat room, I'd love for you to just acknowledge that this is your first time logging on with us and we'd love to show you some love. It's a couple things you should know about our church. Uh, Number one, we believe in the centrality of Jesus Christ. Everything we do, everything we sing should be revolved around what we believe about Jesus. All of our sermons, there, and you literally don't have a sermon unless it goes to Jesus Christ. Uh, and everything we do in, in terms of our ministries all focus on the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Uh, also, I think you should also know that we are serious about the reliability of Scripture. We believe that God's Word is true. We believe that it's reliable, that it's sufficient. Uh, We spent a half a decade in the book of Romans for that very reason, because we believe that the word of God is actually true. Speaking of Romans, don't you grab your Bibles? Let's do it. Uh, I am excited to be hanging out today in this book as we continue to make traction and continue to work our way through the rest of the book. We only got a little bit left, so y'all hang in there with us, and there's so much more, so much more uh, in this book. Romans 15 is where we're going to be at today. I am certainly glad to be back in the pulpit. I took a little bit of a break last week, catch, got to catch my breath and rest a little bit. And shout out to Pastor Timmy for holding things down. Amen. We can thank God for Pastor Timmy. He's, um, he's certainly a, uh, a blessing to our church. And um, I think the Lord has used him in many, many ways that honestly, some of you may not ever even know the way he cares for the body and the, the way he... Uh, tends to the matters of like the logistical side of the church. I am grateful for him and uh, shout out to NJ and Lady Io. We are thankful for that family and their contribution to the kingdom. All right, let's dig in. Hey, my boys are in the building. They're in the room today and I'm excited about that. They they usually are home sleeping about right now. Uh, so it's good to have them uh, hanging out with us. All right, Romans 15. Pick me up in verse 14. Here's what Paul says. He says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with the knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by the way of reminder, please make note of this phrase, because of the grace given to me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Verse 17, in Christ Jesus then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak on anything except that uh, Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by the word and by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem to the way around Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. 
And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel. Where, where do you preach the gospel, Paul? Not where Christ has already been named. Lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told will see. And those who have never heard will understand. We'll stop right there for today. I want to preach uh, from the topic entitled Mandate, Message, and Motivation. Mandate, Message, and Motivation. If you type that in the chat room for me, what is Paul's mandate? What is Paul's message? And what is his motivation? Because I believe that whatever that is for Paul, it is good for us as well. Let's look to the Lord before we dig in. Uh, Father, as we approach your word, we do so extremely humbly. We realize that your word tells us in 2 Timothy 3 that all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for reproof and instructions in righteousness and correction. And so today we approach it knowing, oh God, that we are reading and hearing the very words that come from you. The way you've used over 40 different human authors written on three different continents and three different languages over a 1500 year span and all of it in continuity to show us Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word. And we pray, oh God, that today that your word would impact our hearts, that we would look at what Paul is saying to the church at Rome and that we would look to apply it today in 2021 in America. How how do we apply that here? Father, I pray that your word would show us that. In Christ's name, I give glory and honor. Amen. Somebody in this room, just say mandate, say message, and say motivation. Okay, now I need you to say it, but say it with your chest this time. Say mandate. You're still not saying it right. Message. There we are. And motivation. Uh, May of 2015 was when I was ordained uh, as an elder from uh, Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia by the elders there under the leadership of my pastor, Dr. Eric Mason. Uh, and my, my ordination was hard, man. My, my ordination into pastoral ministry, it, it really was, it was twofold. There was a written portion of my ordination, and then there was a oral portion of my, um, of my ordination. And honestly, the topics range from, from, from various areas and different positions, theologically, all the way to practical. Some of the positions I had to explain written, but also explain orally was what is penal, penal, uh, penal substitutionary atonement? Well, what is the spiritual gifts? And another, way, another way to say that is what is the charisma versus sensationism? What are my beliefs on the complementarian roles of men and women in the church and egalitarianism? And then we did some more practical stuff as well. How do you handle church finances? How do you deal with gossip in the church? God must have knew that Gabe was going to be a part of the church, so I needed to have that as part of my ordination. How do you deal with disgruntled members in the church? But my ordination didn't just stop with me writing this down. They wanted to know that I could explain the things that I had written down. They didn't want me to just go to Google and grab some thoughts and then put them together and then put them on paper, but they wanted me to sit down. So I had to sit down for two hours in what I would say is the hot seat. With all of the elders standing around me, they just fired away and asked me 
questions that were on the paper and things that weren't on the paper on my, on my essays. And I mean, they really, really challenged me. My ordination was so hard that there was a point where they deliberated to see whether they would move forward with my ordination. And they, they sent me out of the room and I went to the next room and I called Ty and I was like, babe, I think I'm going back to Verizon Wireless. Uh, I just felt that extremely like I, there's no ministry uh, opportunities for me after that ordination. I just felt like I did not do well. And rightfully so. Getting into ministry shouldn't be easy. The, the, the weight, the, the burden of pastoral, the office of pastoral ministry should be tough. The, the, the lay hands on someone quickly. The Bible tells us don't hastily lay hands on. You want to lay hands on men and women that you are convinced that they are called. That you are convinced that they are so compelled to this thing called gospel ministry in the passage before us, Paul is going to show us his gospel priorities. He's going to show us his three, really three aspects of his personal ministry. One of the things I love about Paul is, is Paul is, is going to be very clear with us this morning. Paul is going to show us that, yes, I have a ministry to the Gentiles, but he's going to show us how, how his calling operated and what his message is and what his motivation is. And I think it's going to be good for us today. And so those are the three points and three areas that I want to look at with you today. We won't be here long, but I want to look at what is the mandate of Paul's calling? What is the message of Paul's calling? And what is the motivation of Paul's calling? And at the same time, I want you and I to sit and say, what is the mandate of our calling? What is the message of your calling? And what is the motivation of your calling? Let's deal with the first one. What is the mandate? Look at what Paul says in verse 14. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by the way of reminder, I told you to, to underline this, because of the grace given to me by who? By God to be a minister. Let, let me say that again. Because of the grace given to me by God to be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. Paul is very, very clear on his mandate right here. Paul is very, very clear that he he knows that he has been called not just by anybody, but by God. Paul understands that his mission field is the Gentiles. And it's important for you to note that Paul didn't call himself. Paul didn't wake up one morning and, and just decide that gospel ministry was a good career opportunity. He didn't wake up and just say, this is the thing that I want to do with the rest of my life. No, he realizes that his calling was a sovereign calling, a divine calling by God himself. So Paul basically is explaining that the reason that I feel so bold, did you notice he said that I have written to you very boldly by the way of reminder because of the grace given to me by God. He's like the last uh, 15 chapters I've written boldly. And the reason I can write with such confidence and such boldness and such swag is because I know my calling comes from God. Paul is assured of his ministry. He's assured that it comes from God and he's, he, he, he knows that it's not limited to something that he wanted to do. And the question you should be asking is, Pastor B, when was Paul called? Well, what did Paul's call? How did God call Paul? You got to go back one book, go to the book of Acts and you don't have to do it now in your devotion time. Read Acts chapter nine. The Bible says that Paul was a persecutor of the church. 
The Bible says that he would drag people, Christians, followers of Jesus out of their homes into the street and he would hold the cloaks of those who would stone Christians just for following Jesus. In fact, the day that he was called, he was on Damascus Road on his way to persecute Christians. And it was there that he didn't persecute any Christians, but he himself became one. Because on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9, the Bible says, just stay with me here for we can lay a little bit of foundation. The Bible says that Jesus himself knocks Paul off of a horse and he says to Paul, why are you persecuting me? Which is so dope because he wasn't persecuting Jesus. He was persecuting his body and Jesus like, if you're persecuting my body, you're persecuting me. So Paul understands in Acts chapter 9 that Jesus is real. He understands in Acts chapter 9 that not only does God save him, but he puts him on mission the day he saves him. In fact, if you go to verse 15, that same chapter, the Bible says that Paul is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, the kings, and the children of Israel. Paul's view of ministry that we see in the text is a conscious awareness of the divine calling by God. I don't know about y'all, but I can tell you this now. If God calls me Jesus Christ himself stands before me. I'm just walking with a little bit more swag. I mean, there's just some stuff you just can't, you know, you just can't tell me. But Paul is humble, even though Jesus himself calls him. Unfortunately, even though Paul is called by God, we have so many self-proclaimed pastors, self-proclaimed bishops, and self-proclaimed apostles People that are more interested in titles and fanfare than they are serving the body. People more interested in money and being an Instagram hit overnight by one sermon versus actually caring for the people that they are called to minister to. A lot of people have called themselves. A lot of people have affirmed their own uh, calling. But Paul says, not so, not me. Nobody else called me. In fact, I was on Damascus Road. I was minding my own business and Jesus himself snatched me up. I can tell you now just a little bit of my personal story. I remember working at Verizon Wireless and by God's grace, I was doing well, moving up the corporate ladder. Our family was good. Ty was doing well in her career and the boys were young, but they were they were healthy. And we just purchased a home. We even had a dog named Pepper. I mean, we, we were, I mean, we, we felt like we were like, we, we've accomplished the things that we wanted to accomplish at such a young age. And I'll never forget when I felt com- called and compelled to ministry. And that meant leaving a lot of things, leaving a lot of uh, opportunities that would have been financially, financially lucrative for us. But now, now that I look back on it, I count it all as rubbish compared Like, there's nothing else in the world. You can't pay me enough to do anything else. I'm just telling you now that there's there's nothing else that I feel called to. Like, and I'm so glad, you know, this passage hit me this week because this is one of those weeks, you know, the pandemic has been hard, not just for members, but for a lot of pastors. And I'm not just saying me. For, For a lot of pastors, ministry has been hard because they've never had to pastor through a pandemic. But it is places like this that I get anchored in the scriptures because I realize that Paul says because of the grace given to me by God, I realize that God calls and God sustains. So Paul understands the importance of operating in ministry through his calling. And here's the best part. 
that Paul, that Paul is not the only one that's called, but God still calls men and women to the ministry. God still is calling in the midst of a pandemic, and that might be you. Maybe God is calling you to get off the sidelines and get in the game. Maybe it is you that is God is calling, and, you know, God calls men to be faithful to him. All of us should be faithful to him, but he calls men to be, men and women to be faithful to this, to this thing called pastoral ministry. And I thank God for the calling to serve people. And maybe you're watching and you're saying, you know, I, I just don't, I don't know how to discern God's calling. Maybe he's calling me. I'm, I'm not really sure. I, I, maybe it's ambition. How do I differentiate between God's calling and my own ambition? Like, I love people and I want to help people. How do you differentiate between the two? There's really two ways to do so. Stay with me. There's two ways to, to differentiate between God's calling and your own ambition. First is an internal call. This is what Paul refers to when he talks about 1 Timothy 3.1. If a man desires the office of an overseer or a pastor or an elder or a bishop, he desires a good work. That's internal. But one of the things I know about internal callings is they always have to be checked with external affirmation. Let me say that again. Internal callings, not just to pastoral ministry, whatever God calls you to, internal callings always have to be checked by external affirmations. Because you need to know whether it's God or a bad taco that you ate for lunch. You, you, you need to know that if it is actually God or just some ambition, that some quivery feeling that you have. So the second way that you understand God's calling is an external affirmation. Wait, let's go back to Paul for a second. Paul is called in Acts chapter 9. He does no ministry until Acts 13. Why doesn't he do ministry until Acts 13? Because Acts 13, the Antioch church lays hands on him and sends him out. They literally take the internal calling that he had. First of all, like, remember, Jesus called him. Jesus calls me. I don't need any other affirmations. Paul is like, not so. Paul still, even though Jesus called him into ministry, Paul still submitted himself to the Antioch church. Bruh, sis, I don't know who you are, but if you're operating in pastoral ministry and you have no connection to the local church, you are out of order. You, you, have no, you have no connection. There, there's nobody watching over you and correcting you and helping you. Player, you are out of order. So the Bible says that Paul understands that he is called by God. But even though I'm called by God, Acts chapter 9, I wait until Acts chapter 13 to be sent out. And I do so. Why? Because I understand the importance of the local church. But let's be clear that, call, that, that, that God doesn't just call men and women to the work of pastoral ministry or to the office of pastoral ministry, but God calls all of us to be evangelists. Let, let, let me be clear with y'all that are in this room. God has, if you have named the name of Jesus Christ, God has called you. Sometimes we wait for, 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 for pastors to do, to do the work and deacons and leaders and, you know, the people that are up front, they should do the work. And the reality is all of us should be on mission. Let's just do a mass ordination today. Everybody under the sound of my voice, you are ordained to share the gospel. All of us should be on mission. You don't need a big Bible. You don't need a clergy collar. You got neighbors next to you. You got friends that you're involved with. You got co-workers that don't know Jesus and they can know him by your faithful witness. All of us are called. 
There, there's nobody in here that's not called. We all should be witnesses. We all should be ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We all should be partakers in spreading the good news of the gospel. There's a dying world, and we need to tell a dying world about a dying Savior. A dying Savior by the name of Jesus Christ. Are you compelled by the very gospel that snatched you up? Are, are you, are you, do you believe that it's true? Do, do you believe that it still saves do you believe that it sets the captive free? Do you, do you believe that it makes dead hearts alive? Do you believe that this gospel opens up blinded eyes? If so, you should be sharing the gospel every single day and every chance you can get. For some reason, we get scared in opportunities of, in, in those moments where we get to share the gospel. We, 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 we quarrel up. We, we, hinge, we, we don't want to share the gospel for fear of rejection or fear that we'll be asked questions that we don't know. Do you realize you don't have to hit a home run? All you got to do is say there is a Savior named Jesus Christ that died on your behalf. And if you give your life to him, see, this is what I love about God. He can take scraps and do something with them. Don't be afraid to share the gospel. Here's the mandate that Paul has. Paul in the text has a mandate to be on mission as, a, as an apostle, and he's called by God. Now, now that you're called by God, Paul, Paul, please tell me, what is your message? Let's move from mandate to message. What is Paul's message? There, there's a melodic line that is running through our passage today. A melodic line just is a succession of notes. Some of the musicians and the singers may know what that is. It's a succession of notes that make up the rhythm or the tune. It's the thing that you keep playing and keep going back to. That, that thing is called a melodic line. Paul uses a melodic line today. Basically, he has a reoccurring statement, a reoccurring word that he uses. Watch what he says in verse 16. Y'all track it with me? One person? Okay. <laughs> to be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God. Okay. I, I think I'm understanding your message a little more. Look, look down to verse 19. It says, by the power of signs and wonders. It says, by the power of the spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of, here it is again, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 20, he says the same thing. He says, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel. Paul understands that his message, Paul is a one-trick pony. Paul understands that the only message that he has from the time he is saved in Acts chapter 9 to the time he dies is the message of the cross. It's the gospel message. Paul understands that his life now is to magnify and verify the very gospel that saved him. Every sign and wonder was a pointer to the gospel. Every time he was in prison, it was a pointer to magnify the gospel. Every time he was lonely or shipwrecked or bitten by snakes or stoned or beaten. Do you know, Rob, there's one point in Paul's ministry where he is beaten so badly that they take him outside of the city and they drop him off and they think he's dead. But here's how dope Paul is. He wakes up. Verse 21 of Acts chapter 14, he goes back into the same city that just beat him, preaches the gospel, and makes sure that he's discipling people. That this is the message because Paul was so compelled by the gospel that he, he would say stuff like to live is Christ and to die is game. You, you don't get any more Christocentric than Paul. 
Like you, you'll be hard pressed to find Paul preaching anything other than the gospel. And here's why as a church, we, we don't preach anything but the gospel. You, you, you'll never find me preaching a prosperity gospel. Anytime you add any word to the gospel, you've taken away the gospel. You, you don't dilute it. You didn't change it a little bit. It is no longer the gospel. But Paul, Paul understands that his message is the one of Christ. Here's why we don't preach prosperity. We don't preach the gospel of inclusion. We, we don't preach any self-help therapeutic crap. We don't preach a works-based gospel. I ain't preaching your best life is now because it's not. And if this is your best life, I just want to know what happens after this that's not better than this. I, I know what's better than this. Heaven is better than this. And, 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 and so, You got to understand that because Paul only preaches the gospel, then we should only preach the gospel. We preach Christ and him crucified. And we just do that from a bunch of texts. But we always make a beeline back to the gospel because this is the only message that can take spiritually dead people and give them life. That this is the only message that has the power of God packed into words. That this is the only message that brings about deliverance and sanctifies us. What is, the, what, is the, what is the message of the gospel that Paul preached? Do me a favor. If, if y'all have physical copies or your devices, do me a favor. Just go really quickly to 1 Corinthians, the next book over. Go to 1 Corinthians 15 real quick. At home, I hope y'all are tracking with me. If you're home and I don't know what device you're on, go to 1 Corinthians 15 real quick. Make note of this because I want you to, to do some devotion on this this week. Watch Paul's ministry ambition and watch how he clarifies the gospel literally in a sentence. He says here, verse one, he says, now I would remind you, I'm in 1 Corinthians 15, verse one. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you in which you received and which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word that I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Watch his priority here. For I delivered to you, meaning the gospel as a first importance. But Paul is like, there is nothing else more important than this message. That that is why I live it. That is why I breathe it. That is why Paul doesn't just, just preach it, but he actually applies it to his life. Look what he says. For I deliver you to you as a first importance what I also receive. Here's the gospel in a sentence. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised. Paul says, I'm going to give you the gospel in shorthand. Christ died for our sins, he was buried, and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scripture. Paul says that this is the message that I choose to preach over and over again. Why? Because Paul understands that when he preaches it, it is power. It it really is. And sometimes I think, you know, we can, the gospel can become so redundant to us. And, And so after a while, it just loses its sense of awe. I love the way Charles Hatton Spurgeon says it. He says when he preaches the gospel, he's always wondering who in the in the crowd is being saved because it never occurred to him that the gospel would go out and not save somebody. Do you believe it like that? Do you believe that every time you you rehearse it and recite it and rehearse it to yourself and recite it to others, that somebody is being saved and somebody is being sanctified? Many things have changed over the last 2000 years, y'all. Culture has changed monarchies have changed, fashion has changed, but the one thing that has not changed is the message of Jesus Christ. It still saves. 
it still delivers us. It still sets the captive free. It still removes the stain of sin. It still presents us as holy and, and, and blameless and spotless. It still has power. The message of the cross is what we stand on. So Paul says, Here, here's my mandate. My mandate is that I'm called by God, by the grace given to me. Go back to Romans 15. By the grace given to me by God to be a minister of Jesus Christ. Okay, Paul, what is my message? He says three times, the gospel is my message. The gospel is my message. The gospel is my message. And then, then you must ask, then what is your motivation? What keeps him going? What keeps him serious about this message of the gospel? I'll tell you what it is. Verse 20. Thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel. I love this. Not where Christ has already been named. Lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told will see. And those who have never heard will understand. Paul's motivation, his desire, his aim, his goal is to proclaim Christ, not just anywhere, but where he has not been preached. Paul's aim is to make sure that he is screaming, screaming as loud as he can that Jesus saves to people that don't know. It. Paul's aim is to make sure that he is preaching to people that God may have saved, but they don't even know that Christ died for him. And so he says, this is, this is the salvation you need. That's Paul's aim in ministry. That's what kept Paul going. That is what his motivation is. It's the unchurched. It's, it's the de-churched. It's, it's the, the, the atheists and, and, the, and, and those who are agnostic. It's those who you and I have written off as too far for God to reach. That, that's who Paul is going after. And he's not just going after him here in chapter 15. But if you go back to chapter 10, remember, he asked three questions. How can they call on them who they have not believed? And, and how are they to believe in whom they've never heard? And how can they hear unless somebody preaches to them? Paul is motivated by the unchurched. Paul is motivated by people that never, that you see, you know what it is with, with us? We, we believe that church is, is all transferred growth. We just swapping members. Come from that church and come on over here and you got a gift, come from that church. And, and, and after a while, all we're doing is shuffling the saved. Oh, that's all we're doing. That's all we're doing is we're, we're taking the people that are already found and making them comfortable at another church. When in reality, Paul is like, I'm not interested in that. I want to go where people are not preaching. Here's why I, I, I have friends that do Bible studies in bars. I have, I have friends that, that do Bible studies in cigar lounges. Where people, where the church typically isn't going into. I have friends that say, no, 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 I got to go in there. Why? Because I, I want to preach where Christ ain't been named. I, I, I want to go where people are lost. I, I want to be able to tell people like that there is a savior that loves you, that wants you. And he wants you so bad. He sent me in here at the bar to talk to you. That's the kind of God that we serve. And so Paul is so compelled and motivated to keep going. Why? Because there's always lost people around. And the crazy thing is we live by lost people and don't even share the gospel. We do life around people that don't know Jesus and we never share the gospel. The person that the barista that is making your coffee may be the person that God is sending you to, not just to get your latte. Preach Christ where he has not been named. People that have no clue 
will see. That's what Paul says. I'm, I'm not making this up. Those whom have never been told will see. That those whom have never heard will understand. You know, we often get criticized, uh, Ronnie. We, we get criticized for, as a church, for um, just being a, that, that church that's a little carnal. That, that's, what, that's what I've heard. That, they, that church has no liturgical, uh, they're not liturgical enough. That there's not a reverence for church tradition. They wear cut-up jeans. They sip coffee. No lie, we've got called a coffee church before. What, what is a coffee church? They come in and they sip coffee and they got one hand raised. Do you know that our church is 92% in their 20s? Like, would you rather them sip coffee at brunch? No, bring your latte to church and come on and, and let's all get together and let's worship Jesus with your grande latte. I'm good with it. Why? Because I want, I want to make sure that people are hearing about Christ. I want the dude that just is walking by to be able to walk into the church and be able to feel like, oh, man, these look like people that I see on the train. These look like people that I can relate to. Cultural relevancy, preaching Christ where he has not been named. Shoot, wait till we get a larger facility. You ain't going to be able to tell me. No, I'm going to put a coffee shop in the church. You come in, go ahead and get your coffee. You, here's a, you don't even got to come in the sanctuary. We're going to pipe the gospel right on the screen in the coffee shop where you walk by you. And after a while, you keep hearing that message over and over again. That thing will save you in the coffee shop. And you ain't never stepped foot in the sanctuary. This, this is the type of power that is in the gospel. So he says, I, I don't just preach anywhere. I preach where Christ ain't been preached. And let me ask you a question. This week, I want you to look around at the, the places that you go and the places you dwell and ask yourself, has Christ been preached in this room yet? Go, 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 to, your, go to your family member's house and just think, like just for a second, just sit there and say, has Christ been named here? Don't beat nobody up. Don't be a Bible thumper. Ask for wisdom. Ask for a strategy on how to get in there and slip that gospel in that atmosphere. Some of you need, some of you just mosey into atmospheres and there's no discernment that God might send you there to preach him where he has not been named. See, Paul took advantage of that. Like, like Paul, there was one point in Paul's ministry. I'm so off my nose. There's some, one point in Paul's ministry in Acts chapter 17, uh, maybe it's 19, where he goes to the Areopagus. Somebody look that up for me real quick. If it's Acts 17 or 19, if, it, if, you, if you got it in the chat room, throw it in there. If you found it in here, shout it out. Acts 17 or 19, Paul goes to the Areopagus. And the Bible tells me that while he's there, he's looking around and there's all these statues. Y'all remember this story? And there's one statue that is unnamed, has, has no name on it. And Paul looked at the statue and took advantage of the unnamed statue and said, oh, let me tell you about that God. That, that unnamed God actually has a name, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he begins to share the gospel. And here's how dope Paul is. Y'all got his in 17 or 19? 17. Paul is so dope. As he's sharing the gospel with them, he quotes to them their own stoic philosophers. Did you know that in your scripture, the, the Bible says, in him we live and move and have our being. That is a stoic philosopher. Paul uses it because of cultural relevancy. Paul uses it to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named. And y'all get mad when the preacher quotes Cardi B. 
You get mad when the preacher quotes Biggie, the greatest rapper of all time, died on March 9th. I just need to slip that in real quick. Yo, y'all get mad when some of, some of these young people, I don't even know all the new rappers. They, all of them are called little something. I don't even know all of them. But y'all get mad when, when, when preachers are, are being able to connect and culturally relevantly tie in the gospel to what the culture says around them. Shoot, they listening to it coming in. Well, why not go ahead and use that as Paul, Paul says, in him we move and we, we live and move and have our being quoting their own people, their own rap artists, their, 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 their own poets. He quotes to them their own guys and he uses their statues and says, look, look at that is Paul's aim is always to preach Christ where he has not been named. Speaking of lost people, who is it that doesn't know Christ that's piped on today? Who, who is it? You've just been, you've been logging on week after week after week. And, you know, you just, you like the, you like the worship. I don't know if y'all saw uh, uh, Rob's sneakers. Make sure y'all get a close up on them. They got a little smiley face on his sneakers. Y'all just like how cool Rob is. I like how cool Rob is too. And so you log on week after week after week. They're getting a shot of sneakers. I love it. Week after week after week after week, y'all, y'all log on. And you log on, you don't know why you're logging on. I can tell you why you're logging on because Christ is pursuing you. Who is it? Who is it that's piped on today? You like the music? You like the way Ronnie be jamming and, and, and Josh be doing his thing? You, you just, you like the music? And so you log on week after week. You don't even know that God is pursuing you. We literally turned these lights on and this camera on to make sure that Christ was named where he has not been named. We turned these lights on today. We got up this morning and we prayed for you because we realized that the person that's on the other end of this camera, that person needs to know who Jesus is. Who is it? Who is it that would say, today I want to give my life to him. I, I, I want to trust in Jesus. I want to I commit my life to, I want to I be what Paul was in Acts chapter 9. One of the things I left out about Acts chapter 9 was Paul was blinded. Paul got physically blinded. God physically blinded him until Ananias laid hands on him and restored his sight. But I, I'd, I'd ask the question, was he really blind? Because although physically, yes, he was blind because the Bible says he was, spiritually he could see. Spiritually, the scales were removed. There's a verse in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 that says, having the eyes of his heart enlightened. I didn't even know my heart had eyes. I don't know who it is today that God is enlightening the heart of your eyes. God, 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 God is doing something and you know it. You, you know it. You, you sense it. You feel it. Today, today I want you to do this. If, if that's you, if you don't know Jesus... Or you want to recommit your life back to Jesus. Maybe you, maybe you did trust Jesus, but I don't know. Somewhere along the line, you gave up. He stopped be, being what Paul says is of first importance. This message stopped being relevant to you. The mandate, the, the calling on your life, you put it to the side because you pursued other career opportunities. I don't know who it is today, but I want you to do me a favor. Why don't you go ahead and just text decision to the number that popped up on the screen. That that number that popped up on the screen is for you. If you don't know Jesus, text.
next decision to that number. And someone will respond to you right away. You'll get on the phone with somebody that can walk you through what it means to really trust in Jesus. We don't believe in emotionalism, although God created your emotions and he uses them. I'm not trying to tickle your fancy today. I'm trying to help you to understand that Jesus loves you. He's madly in love with you. He, he loves you like nobody else in this world will ever love you. How do I know? Because the cross is proof of how much he loved us. So I don't know who it is. Won't you go ahead and text decision? I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray because I, I really do. I do feel like there is somebody that is on the verge of giving their life to Christ. And we don't want to let the moment pass. Worship team, y'all come on up. Father, I thank you. I thank you, oh God. I thank you for this message. This message that heals our brokenness. This message that gives life to the dead. This message that will one day present us before a holy God as holy, even though we're not. I thank you, oh God, for your word. Thank you for your mandate. You're calling on each and every person that is in this room. You're calling on each and every person that is watching right now. I thank you for it. Help them walk in confidence. Paul says, I write boldly. Why do I write boldly? Because of the grace given to me by God. Help somebody today to walk in their calling. Whatever Paul walked in his apostolic calling, help the person today that is watching to walk in the, whatever it is. There's nothing too minute. You use everything. But finally, Lord, I just pray, oh God, that you would keep us motivated by preaching Christ where he has not been named. By making sure we are proclaiming to the world that Jesus saves. Jesus saves. That we, we don't ever get so progressive in church and we start to use everything else as gimmicks and tricks the devil is a liar it is the gospel that saved us it is the gospel that sustains us and it is the gospel that will take us all the way home and so father we submit whoever that is to you i i don't know them prayerfully i'll know them after they text in decision to that number father i pray oh god we will become family today. Even though we may not know each other, you're automatically part of your body. Therefore, we are brothers and sisters in you. Father, I thank you for this word. Hide in our heart. Let us never sin against it. Help us to marvel at your wondrous works. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.